Hi and welcome to Oh Brother, What Are We Watching? Two brothers discuss pop culture with a geeky bent. I'm Chris and with me as always is my brother Steve. How are you doing, Steve? I'm alright, true believer. True believer. So this week uh, we are discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Before we get into this, I want to discuss, uh, you know, a little bit of our shared history, uh, Steve, in in general with um, sort of superhero movies, comic book movies, uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. Memory test. (laughs) Oh, these are always good. What film uh, was on the tape we had of Batman immediately after Batman? (laughs) What? So we we had a recording of Batman possibly pirated uh if not just recorded off of something which batman uh the first one the uh the michael keaton that's uh, not the first one batman that's not the first one oh no the um the the first proper one you know the first real one we're we're discounting the adam west comedy section uh yeah drama section okay i've got it i don't know what the film was following it you really don't remember uh i (laughs) that's what i said (laughs) <laughs> it was willow oh i I, I never watched willow or at least not all the way through i did a couple of times because i was too lazy to stop the tape but i always distinctly remember that because <laughs> it was one of those double length tapes so you could fit two films on it so the quality was ah. god awful so i would watch batman and then i'd be like yeah i'll watch this film about the little thing again and yeah it was no good batman really was the the first major comic book film where things started to kind of look like, you could take one of those kind of heroes and be serious about it, right, mm, yeah. um, with Tim Burton. My favourite memory of all that, Chris, is actually, and you'll, you'll love this, but you weren't there, was me going to see <laughs> Batman Returns in the cinema because I was not old enough to go see Batman Returns in the cinema. Because it was a 12. Because it was a 12, <laughs> and I was, I think, 10. So my dad took me, and I got uh, I got uh, adulted up <laughs> by wearing. I, you know what? I remember. <laughs> I remember being there beforehand as you were getting adulted up and being really worried that like the cops were going to come get you because <laughs> because you were I sneaking know. into a twelve. I know. So you were wearing like a black turtleneck and you had your hair all spiked up. <laughs> I wasn't spiked up. No, 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 no. You're right. It was black turtleneck, but that was very in back then. Turtlenecks. I had turtlenecks. Yeah. But I had a black turtleneck, black jeans, black trainers. So it was all black. Uh, you know, I was watching Batman in yeah, the 90s. Yeah, that, that made sense. It made it's sense. It's a Tim Burton film. And I had my hair slipped back because as was the oh, style God, of the time. yeah. It yeah. was gel. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I love I remember, gel. <laughs> remember being gel. I think you were wearing like Doc Martin boots as well. Possibly, possibly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly shoes instead of trainers, but all black, slicked back hair. Went with dad, and uh, we actually had a friend on the inside, our friend's father on the inside. We hoped that he was actually going to do that, um, that 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 screening, but it wasn't, and I was a bit fearful. Yeah. And then he took the ticket, but my dad was with me. He took the ticket, it was fine, and I saw it in the cinema when I, I shouldn't have. To be to be fair, like I don't think anyone would have cared. Twelves don't really count, do they? I'm sure. I'm sure I was the only person shitting themselves about that. <laughs> Let him have it, Steve. He's on to us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was about ready to run out of the Olympia uh, UCI <laughs> in East Kilbride. <laughs> uh, I remember. I remember that. I remember my hysteria uh, pre um, the third Batman film, Batman Forever. Oh I yeah, think. you were up for that, yeah. I was so excited about it. I remember months of uh, watching MTV just in case the U2 song came on. 
um, which yes. is vastly superior to the seal song that that more commonly gets associated with it. Yeah, and we and you bought the single. You bought the YouTube single. So you actually had you had the single. You were watching MTV all the time. You were so excited yeah. about Batman Forever. You bought it in VHS. I remember I had a nice pool quote from Jonathan Ross in the back, like greatest film of all time. <laughs> I, uh, I'd i like this, to show him that now. <laughs> this was the man. This was the man they got to replace Barry Norman. God rest his soul. Oh, that's a news nugget, actually. After we mentioned him in our last podcast, uh, our last full podcast, uh, unfortunately, days later, Barry Norman passed away. So uh, rest in peace, Baza. You, you shaped our film watching lives to some extent. What an absolute legend he was. Yes. So he many really hours was. spent watching his reviews and going to see his recommendations. It's very sad. Yeah. And in contrast, what a fucking hack Jonathan Ross is <laughs> to say that Batman Forever was... I mean, I, I enjoyed it at the time because it was it was aimed squarely at me. I was the target market. Like, oh, yeah. You know, young kid. It was bright. It was colorful. It had Jim Carrey. Mm. You know, laughs aplenty. And, you know, it was full of one-liners, chicks dig the car, bat nipples. When I watch it back now, I have a fondness for it, but it's not a good movie. And obviously things kind of went downhill from there for the sort of Joel Schumacher era. But yeah, you know, I remember, um, yeah, I remember I was watching Daredevil together. Do you remember us, your desperation to go see X-Men in the cinema when we were in the States? I do. Yeah, I do. I was so upset that my mom and dad wouldn't let me go see X-Men in America so I could see it two weeks, I think before yeah, it came out in the UK because and it's a, maybe a, a decent segue there Chris the biggest comic book films at the time were, were as you said the, you know, the Batman films the other comic properties kind of came and went nothing really took off there was Superman and Batman had Superman in the early 80s and, and Batman in the 90s and then it was it was really X-Men that kind of kicked off for me, at least I remember the Marvel, not the cinematic universe we're about to talk about, but, but Marvel movies. Mm. X-Men was a, was a huge hit, uh, relatively speaking, at the time, which then started to kick off all the other kind of uh, Marvel properties being sold individually uh, until eventually Marvel decided to bring it in-house and, and create these movies themselves. A lot of, lot of hit-and-miss efforts amongst those, and you've mentioned some of them there. I mean, Daredevil, I mean, I've actually never seen any of the attempts at doing a Fantastic Four movie. I have. Um, I have. I, not they're the garbage. Recent. Um, they are terrible of... films. Uh, mm. The last two, uh, sorry, the last one I haven't seen. I have seen the, the first two with, oh, I can't even pronounce his name, Ian Griffith? Ian Griffith. <laughs> He's Welsh. I don't know what his name is, but can that be right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll bow to your superior knowledge on that one. No, I think I quite wisely actually avoided those. I feel like I've actually got quite a good shit detector when it comes to superhero movies because I haven't watched any of the current DC Universe, not a single one of them, um, films, and I haven't heard much good about them, to be fair. Well, I, I think we've said before in this podcast, you know, I saw Wonder Woman recently, Chris, and it is a good film. I think it's a good film. Um, I, well, I'm, I'm like you though. I saw the trailers and and positioning for things like Batman versus Superman, and not interested. Suicide Squad, definitely not interested. <laughs> Hard I, pass. Yeah, I saw the first Man of Steel, and I can see what they were trying to do, which was a kind of a grown up take on Superman, kind of. But I think where the Marvel movies, even the worst of the Marvel movies, I say worst, they're still quite well made, and they're still, but they're still quite colourful, and, and they tend to be quite fun 
as well. Whereas I think sometimes that's where DC sometimes goes a bit off mission is either they're one or the other. And, and Wonder Woman in that regard is probably the most complete of all those films. Where Marvel did really well was they took one, you know, one film at a time uh, and then started to build up this, this, this universe around them. So they didn't jump straight into a Justice League like, like DC are. They're going one by, they went one by one and then sequel by sequel and then phase by phase mm-hmm. into this gloriously huge universe you know, which allows them to tell long stories, even though they're constrained by the the shorter films. Another area where they are immensely successful, of course, is they have one or two creative forces. Uh, I think it's Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige, who is the kind of controlling producer behind all of these films. You've got one storyline which is going throughout these films. You've got one, one creative force, whereas the start of the DC one has been a bit all over the place. I have uh, finally caught up. So if we've alluded to in the past, I've been behind and and falling steadily further behind with uh, Marvel films. Um, have never seen uh, one of the MCU in the cinema as of yet, uh, although I'm hoping to change that relatively soon. That's insane. There's like 16 of them. I know. I know. I missed, I think I missed Iron Man 1. And then pretty much from that point on, I've been playing catch up. Up until about a year ago, I had only seen the first Iron Man, the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2, I think, and nothing else. So I started last year the the process of catching up. You know, quite a lot of them were on Netflix, which helped. Again, as we've mentioned many times on the podcast, I shot myself in the foot because I decided I had to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the uh, quote-unquote complete picture. I say this with all my neuroses and psychoses and all other kind of OCs, don't fall into that trap. If you're listening to this and you haven't watched any of the Marvel films, never watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ever. Don't let anyone convince you that it's worth your time. It is complete tripe and garbage. With that, let's move on. So, Steve, you have a list uh, of all the Marvel films, top to bottom, best to worst, worst to best. I would like to go through your list and discuss film by film. Okay, that's not a problem. So we're going to go, so a, f- a few things here. So we're going to go worst to first. Perfect. And we're going to agree this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it is officially defined. So mm-hmm. uh, that does not include the X-Men films. Of course. Or Deadpool or Fantastic Four. It doesn't include the original Hulk by Ang Lee, for example. So only the ones made uh, starting from Iron Man mm-hmm. onwards. Okay, then, let's go. My worst, and I say worst, as I alluded to earlier, Chris, all of these films are actually made to a really high kind of degree. Even the crap, the ones at the bottom here are not terrible. You know, they're, they're kind of well made, but some of them are just much better than the others. The fact that we even live in a world where there is a Marvel Cinematic Universe, where we've had all these big stars doing their own films and then getting together and, and, and doing crossover films as the Avengers. It's incredible. We're very lucky to even be able to sit here and rank them. We really we, are. We are in the kind of golden time for nerds and geeks. We really should yeah. admit that. Without further ado, my bottom film is Thor The Dark World. Ooh, totally agree. Nice start. It, and, <laughs> and you know what? Again, it's not terrible, but it's just, it's such, you know, it's such a waste in, of the, the villain. And mm. actually, it's a recurring theme for me, by the way, with all these Marvel films. As much as I do enjoy them, most of the time the villains are garbage and yeah and it's not necessarily because of the actors it's you know they've got a great actor here and your man doctor who 
What's his name? Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston <laughs> is completely un... You know, he's he's speaking an alien language. He's in the dark all the time. He's got latex and we never get to know him. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a really kind of odd film. I thought I enjoyed it when I saw it. And then I saw it again on an airplane and I thought... This doesn't do it for me. It's too dark and it's it's nothing much going on here. It's, it's so kind of bland and bleh. And I know mm. Thor doesn't tend to get a good reputation, but this one, for me, is the weakest. I, I think I've got to agree with you there. I remember before I'd started watching these films, people do what they always do for me, which is to say, oh, just watch the latest one or just watch these ones. Uh, and, you know, I would I try and explain to them how my brain works and how I just can't do that. Then they just start to tell me, okay, well, if you have to, just skip Captain America 1, Thor 1, Thor 2, uh, this one, this one, this one. Before I knew it, I was like, so I should watch Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, Thor does tend to get kind of shit on uh, a bit for his solo films. And I quite like the first one, but... I mean, I tried not to be too judgmental of the second one because I was in and out. It was kind of on in the background. I was just kind of trying to get through them at that point. So I kind of felt afterwards, eh, but, you know, maybe I didn't really give it a fair shake. And I have always felt that I should go back and watch it again, but I just I just can't make myself do it. It's pretty, though. It's very pretty. It has its moments, but it is, you know... <laughs> So the, 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 it was made around the time when the big thing in Hollywood was being dark. Yeah. So Star Trek Into Darkness was out at the same time as well. And we had a whole raft of kind of blockbuster level films, which were about being real and gritty and dark. And Thor was literally called The Dark World. And yeah. lived up to that name, mm-hmm. uh, but not necessarily in a good way. Thor's difficult because, again, he's one of those that, I mean, is obviously literally a god. So much like Superman, like he kind of... You have to be careful at how you utilize him because he does kind of make a lot of people around him redundant. You know, I was always skeptical about how they could even bring him into the cinematic universe and how they could utilize him without just saying, should we just send Thor in uh, and the rest of us will go home? As we'll get on to, I do think they have done that quite well. Gun to my head, I could not tell you a single thing that happened in the Dark World except for the bit where Chris Evans has a cameo. I think that's the only thing I can remember. But yeah, there was some there was some visually impressive stuff in there. I think I just got a new TV when I watched it, so I think I was kind of dazzled by some of the CG bits. But um, yeah, not not as much substance to it as as some of the other films. I think. Okay, cracking on. Uh, next one for me is Iron Man Two. So Iron Man Two. Ooh, okay. Is Ooh. poor. It's really poor, and I thought it was poor when I came out of the cinema as well. So it isn't even like a revisionist one. It just it has no villain has no villain for me um the russian guy whatever his name is just didn't make any impact on me at all i didn't know what he was trying to do or why it, the whole thing just really felt flat i kind of just felt like a rehash and even the kind of big set pieces or so-called big set pieces didn't really do it for me like the racetrack thing so it, it's 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 one that i have deliberately not went back to because i just came at the theater and i was like no that didn't do it for me so it's a, it's a really weak entry, I thought, for the MCU. I certainly think it's the worst of the Iron Man sort of trilogy, if you will. Yeah, I don't know. It, I did enjoy it, and I quite like um, I quite like Don Cheadle's character and and his sort of 
uh his his presence in that film and and how he develops in the universe afterwards um but yeah i really i know this sounds strange but i just thought the whole whips and whatever thing i just didn't really i just didn't really like what i was seeing i don't really know how to put that but <laughs> yeah well it, it was one of those marvel's got better at this which is to become yeah. a, a little bit less literal in how they translate characters from the printed book to the to the silver screen as it were uh, but that was another one where, yeah, the guy's got electric whips. This this should be over in two minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but next one for me is Incredible Hulk. So that was the, the second attempt at Hulk. So it's the th- Ed Norton. The Ed Norton one is technically the MCU. Again, I kind of paid half attention to it because I'd seen the original Hulk in the cinema. I had, I really wanted to like it and I I didn't really. This one I hadn't heard great things of, but then I heard some revisionist theories that said, actually, it's not too bad. Um, and Ed Norton's really good in it. Like, he's he can carry a picture, old Ed Norton. Oh, definitely, definitely. I've got a lot of time for Ed. I do as well. And, you know, some again, some of the other kind of recastings from this film uh, really worked for me. But ultimately, it was just a bit dull. I didn't really... I don't really connect well to Hulk when he's on his own. I like him as kind of the, the comic kind of peripheral element from the avenger films uh, i don't know if he really works kind of trying to carry a whole film you just want to see miss hulk the whole time and uh, filmmakers naturally gravitate towards banner and his struggle between the hulk inside and whatever I, um i remember um i think we went to go see the 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 ang lee one in the cinema together and i do remember that feeling of both of us trying really hard to justify what we just watched afterwards because he's only really Hulk for about 10 minutes in that film, if I remember. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, remember, I think I remember you throwing out some some ideas about, well, it's brave. It's brave to do a film about, you know, focusing more on Banner's character. That That's that's what it should be about. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's movie review, Steve. That's yeah. That was University Steve, who's like, yeah, absolutely. This should be a big comic book thing that's all about, you know. The, the insides of a man and his struggle between the different elements of his character which is kind of okay you can get on board with that but at this point in my life if it's a comic book film i want to see the comic book stuff so um yeah hulk kind of it, it's a noble attempt but it kind of fell flat for me and yeah. then next is doctor strange okay so um... doctor strange is number 13 on my 16 hit list <laughs> Okay, so I've just, um, so I've literally just finished watching that. So I don't know, I, I went into it, um, well, you know, I went into it very skeptical. And I think the main thing was um, Cumberbatch's accent. I don't know why, it just really put me off when I heard him doing that American accent and he sounded a lot like Dr. House. Um, and in fact, I actually heard people doing impersonations of him and thought they were impersonating Dr. House until I, re- until I watched the trailer. Yeah, you know, actually, I was surprised. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a bit of fun. You know, again, I, I was constantly left with the feeling I probably should have seen this in the cinema because it's all kind of inception-y with the, you know, crazy visuals and stuff, and it probably loses something being on a smaller screen. Um, yeah, I saw it in the big screen, but what stood out to me was kind of everything else. So we have another origin story, which is a kind of running theme in these Marvel films. They yeah. will not shirk away from showing us an origin story, no matter how boring. Mm. And and Doctor Strange is basically Iron Man, right? He's rich, yeah. he's kind of privileged. Um, arrogant. Fu- 
arrogant, fucks around. So he's exactly the same. So again, you're not really seeing anything different. Certainly, the whole Cumberbatch um, voice was was similar to me. Like I, I did not like. I, I would kind of just prefer they made him be a doctor in London, and just yeah. use that as an excuse. I could have lived with that. Yeah. I could have lived with it. I don't need him to be from New York. But for me, it was the rest of it as well. Like the love interest. If you're not going to do a love story properly, if you're not going to have a strong female character, just don't bother. At this point, just don't bother. Don't yeah. waste my time or the actress's time by by throwing in filler. There was. You tell me. Was there any reason for Doctor Strange to go back to that hospital to see that woman again after he he had his initial accident? There wasn't. But they kept on trying to make it like this strong emotional pull that just wasn't there. And for me, to be honest with you, for the film to kind of come down to kind of a a, a logic box puzzle where he's just like. I'm going to kill myself over and over again until you get st- sick of it. I was like, oh, <laughs> really? This is the end of a major blockbuster? I, I just, it didn't do it for me. And the, 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 the thing that kind of sticks in my mind is seeing Benedict Cumberbatch with his hand up, r- waving it around in a circle like he's trying to like arouse someone's nipple. And, <laughs> and then, you know, there's magic going on and sp- like, it just does nothing for me. Nothing. And I hope... I hope it gets better, but to be honest with you, the more and more I talk about it, the more and more I think I should have this lower on my list. I just, it's very mediocre. It's it's difficult to place these. Um, and I always feel like if you're going to do a more focused film on, on one character, which is obviously what a lot of Marvel phase one was, you know, as you say, it's introducing everyone. It should be a functionally standalone film. Uh, which is to say you shouldn't need to have watched any of the Marvel films previously to enjoy it. If you're justifying why it's good, you shouldn't have to justify it in terms of, well, we know where one of the Infinity Stones is now. Or, well, there was that bit at the end about Thor, you know, about the next Thor film, and that's going to be really cool. You know, you should be able to tell me what makes this by itself a good movie. And so, you know, as I said, I've just watched it. It was pretty enjoyable. Uh, You know, um, I laughed a lot. There was some good humor in it, which I liked um Cumberbatch is a very natural comedian and and played that off quite well what you kind of get a bit wearied of with these constant origin stories is so it's the hero's journey we start off he has the setback overcomes it there's the big thing like you say it's not like we're seeing anything new and in fact because each one of these films feels the the incessant need to give us an origin story we're basically being told the same story over and over again with just some slight tweaks um so it does feel a bit wearying, um, and especially when you come to that after a particularly epic film like Civil War, it's kind of a bit like, oh, I thought they were all going to be that big now. You know, <laughs> this is you know this is kind of small time, and yeah, very much the the love story is. Well, it's not even a love story, really, is it? I mean, it's just you know they flirt. Apparently, they used to date. And then we're told sort of retroactively, oh, no, he's actually got deep, deep feelings for her. He really loves her. It's all about her, despite the fact that he was acting just like a complete asshole to her, you know. Complete bellend, and I just had no time for it. So talking about that, my next one's actually Iron Man 3. Okay, now I remember you bigging up Iron Man 3. I remember you telling me at the time, like, so oh, there's wow, a story, this is a, it. There's a story behind Iron Man 3. So I went to go see it in the cinema and quite enjoyed it. A friend of ours, or a friend of mine that you also know, uh, really did not like it. Big Marvel uh-huh. fan. He, he knows who he is. He's listening. Did not <laughs> like it. And 
we had a little kind of Facebook tete-a-tete where I spent thousands of words. I typed them out. I think I typed out 21 reasons why it was actually a half-decent film. Not the best film ever, but just now, whatever. Were you, were you keeping it civil or were you kind of flaming each other? Were you kind of no, getting a no, bit no. riled I mean, up? No, no, no. I was keeping it civil. But at the same time, I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand why he didn't like it. Uh-huh. Um, I haven't actually recently revisited the film. Although I have seen some of the kind of um, the takes on it, and I understand those, um, you know, pulling the rug out from under you, and like Ben Kingsley being uh, the Mandarin, for example, the kind of a change on that um, that could be seen as cheap. Uh, some people didn't like the kids kind of helping Iron Man through his post Avengers um, depression; thought it was a bit cheap. But I really, I quite, I, I got along with it. I was, I was kind of on board with it. Uh, and I was really much on board with the kind of uh, Shane Black, who who wrote and directed this film, is very known for his kind of witty banter back and forth. And I thought this was kind of Iron Man at his most uh, Tony Stark. Uh-huh. You know, he had lots of back and forth banter with, with the kids and with everything else. And that really worked for me. I think there's probably some trouble with the kind of the automated suits and uh, the finale. But otherwise, it's fairly enjoyable, I think. Mm-hmm. Pretty enjoyable thing, yeah. I think what I liked about it the most and why I would maybe place it a little bit higher on my own list, I think when I was watching Iron Man 3, I'd literally just not long finished the Avengers, actually in between rewatched Iron Man 2 because it had been so long, I had no concept of what had happened and I, I needed a refresher. And so I went into Iron Man 3 with this real feeling of, you know what, like when I watched the first Iron Man, and I think the first time I watched the second one, probably not a million miles away from when I'd watched the Sherlock Holmes. Did you watch that with Rodney, um, Robert Downey Jr.? Yep. I was in love with his whole shtick at the time of he's the smartest man in every room. Like, you can't even operate on his level. He's so funny. He's so witty. He's so everything else. And by this point, when I was rewatching these films, I was like, I am so sick of that. I hate all the scenes. Or I was really like getting fed up in all the scenes in the Avengers when he walks in and he's like, oh yeah, last night I decided to become an expert on uh, astrophysics and now I know everything there is to know about it. So let's just go with my plan, okay? Um, like I was, ugh, I was really fed up of it. So seeing him be a bit more vulnerable in a third film, actually, yeah, dealing with trauma and I'm actually scared, you know, I actually, there is something, you know, out there and I don't know how to deal with it and etc etc i was like i am so on board for this this is character development and that is what up until that point i felt like a lot of it was lacking because there had been so much introduction and every film was the first act of something that was coming and it just felt like we hadn't really moved any characters along beyond steve rogers was skinny now he's buff things like that so i i liked it for that um i agree the endings uh, from a continuity point of view, I'm pretty sure it's problematic that he has all those suits doing all those things and then destroys them and then they're back. Actually, yeah, you know, all told, um, pretty pretty solid film for me. Yeah, I, I agree exactly with that same point. You know, it's it's the first film where you really see any of these characters uh, change and he is dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, which is an interesting thing for a comic book film to kind of take on. Sadly, not always... Um, does the Marvel Cinematic Union actually engage in change? And of course, Tony is pretty much Tony for the rest of the film series. But mm-hmm. uh, Next up for me, so number 11 is Ant-Man. As with all these films, it's made to a certain level. It's pretty enjoyable. It's got Paul Rudd, who 
we love, definitely we love elevates Paul Rudd. it. Yeah, big Paul Rudd fan. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly a, a you know very good comic timing, and definitely gives you a a sense of vulnerability. You know, he's a thief. He's he's not quite a superhero. He doesn't have any like big muscles or anything like that. So that those elements for me work um, more so than the kind of love story again, which feels tacked on and, and fairly mm. predictable. And part of me always just kind of wonders, they could have had Edgar Wright do this. And although he is credited still in the film, he walked away before the film started shooting because uh, Marvel, well, it's never been truly publicized, but it seemed like Marvel got cold feet over his vision of the film, which probably would have been a lot more visually interesting than than what we got. Um, I mean, what did you think? You, You obviously saw it recently as well, Chris. You know, I heard something similar. I mean, obviously, as you know, Marvel have very tight control, which is why these films all look very similar and have a very similar feel. Um, but every now and again, I think I think the best ones are, are where they just kind of let it go a little bit and, and, and give you something just a bit different. And so similarly, I think it's a shame because I'm a big Edgar Wright fan and I love his style and I really would have liked to see how he dealt with this. I think if you hadn't given me Paul Rudd, I think I'd be sitting here saying, like, this film's dog shit like what is the point in it <laughs> you know? yeah i mean certainly before i watched it my thinking was ant-man really are, are we are we that far at the bottom of the superhero barrel already how much further are we going to have to delve here but you know the way they did it, i think it was actually pretty fun kind of an interesting idea and you know when i actually saw it and and how it worked out i was like no actually this is pretty cool this has got its stuff and yeah you know that he that paul rudd isn't just like another guy who stands up for truth and justice and he fights because because it will make the world a better place but he's kind of a bit of a selfish guy and he's like well no i just want my kid back and you know i just i'm a thief and i actually kind of like doing that and, and stuff yeah you know there was there's a lot of different elements to it paul rudd as i say i think he definitely elevates it i think he's his humor his comic timing just his kind of charisma and charm as well really sells it and and emphasizes the humor of the film and i did think the action scenes were were pretty good um, I quite liked when they were having their sort of mini ant battle on the train set. And then uh, at one point you see this like massive train being chucked and then it cuts to the real world as it were. And you just see this tiny Troy train sort of just falling. Moments like that I thought were really, really good. Made you, yeah, again, made you feel like you were watching something that's just a little bit different from, you know, every other Marvel film. But again, it's an origin story. So it's a long time before we actually get to anything happening. <laughs> It's solid. I think I think yeah. a lot of these ones, you know, I'm saying that at the bottom of the list, they're not terrible. They're all solid. Um, Watchable I, films, definitely all of them, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can put on Ant-Man and not think it's horrible and hate it. Same with it, pretty much any of these. I just think with something like Ant-Man, it is, it's just solid all around. And t- to your point, if Paul Rudd wasn't in there being his charismatic self... Um, and in the hands of another actor, it probably would be even lower. As it stands, it's it's fairly enjoyable, utterly forgettable. Yeah, I also um, I gotta say, I think his because he has this sort of thief companions, um, yes, and they're all like horrible racial racial stereotypes. And I thought that was almost going to be like a meta joke, but then I was like, oh no, you've just decided that all thieves should be either like black or Hispanic. 
um and or uh, there's an eastern european guy as well just thrown into the mix oh of course of course yeah yeah no marvel's not the best when it comes to being uh political correct in terms of uh that that was fucking overt though like that's actually of all the stuff i've seen in the films i was like no that's the worst (laughs) really that's really bad why does he talk like that nobody talks like that you know exactly and of course you know nobody gets hurt and nobody gets killed and nothing changes in these films Unless you're somebody's friend, or you're black, or you're a woman. Yeah. <laughs> if you're white and blonde, don't worry, you're making it to the end. It's fine. Yeah. You're um, okay. I'm, I'm being slightly facetious there, but not entirely. Um, <laughs> so the next one for me is one you haven't actually seen, so I'll kind of have to fill in the gaps, and that's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Now, for me, this is kind of falls into this middle third of the films, which, again... I think you've got a bottom third, a middle third, top third, and you can basically play around with them to your own personal tastes i don't think there's any like right or wrong here for me guardians 2 falls down here some people really like guardians 2 mm-hmm. for me i came out of it quite not disappointed but again it was a bit milk toast for me um i didn't really have the same kind of emotional pull as the first one even though it's all about his dad um the soundtrack just wasn't as kind of memorable as the first one you know it was, it was, the first one was so unique that the second one was always going to be judged against it. And some people think mm-hmm. it's better. I don't. I, I think it's kind of fine. It's enjoyable. It's middle of the road. Again, it's like a 7 out of 10 kind of film. I don't think it's much more than that. For me. And, and they kind of double down on all the enjoyable bits from the first one to the detriment of the rest. So, you know, if you liked um, Drax not understanding everything, he un- he doesn't understand even more in this film. <laughs> he insults uh... people even more in this film. You know, it's things like that. So, yeah. It's enjoyable enough, but it's kind of in the middle for me. And that's joined by another one, which is Spider-Man Homecoming. So again, I know you haven't seen it, so I won't spoil it for you. Uh, and again, nothing wrong with it. It's it's, it's really enjoyable. It's really funny. Um, they've done a great job with bringing in the new kids to play Peter Parker. Uh, we won't touch on the fact this is the third Spider-Man in whatever, 15 years. Yeah. You know, it's... What, what Spider-Man Homecoming does have for me is one of the better villains, which is Michael Keaton as Vulture. He's really strong. He's, he's, he's really got a strong emotional heft to it. He's not a black and white evil, ha ha ha, I'm here, I'm going to just steal everything. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why he's evil and it kind of fits into the bigger Marvel storyline as well, which means you're a little bit sympathetic towards him, which makes the best villains. Yeah. Always does. You know, if you can kind of get on board with the villain's point of view, and it's a sympathetic draw, then it makes the film uh, hit you a lot more. That said, it's still quite light, and his best moments are definitely when Peter is, you know, being a more of a teenager, and he's kind of learning to be a teenager, and he's, you know, trying to date girls and dealing with the awkwardness of, of teenage life. But it's, it's enjoyable enough, and it's got another stunning Michael Giacchino score, Chris, one of our personal favourites. So Definitely, definitely one of our favourites. The next one for me, we're now into the top half, is Avengers 2 or Age of Ultron okay yeah so I think this kind of fits into that kind of top half of these Marvel films but it's down near the kind of the bottom of it reasons why is it gets a lot of stick Age of Mm -hmm. Ultron for a few things I actually quite like it I I didn't I wasn't on board with the stick when I first saw it you know I was I was kind of all right with Hulk and uh, Black Widow kind of developing a relationship there yeah some people were some people were very not on board with um the rest of black widow's story in the film with um what you find out about her to the point where i think joss whedon did what a lot of hollywood celebs like to do and sign off twitter yeah. i can't handle this i'm going off twitter thanks guys bye yeah 
because uh, because of, of what he got over over Black Widow. But for the rest of it, I I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed the high stakes of the the city and the sky and everything. And you know, Ultron himself was quite memorable. I mean, I certainly couldn't understand going into it where all the stick was coming from because. I remember this very violent shift from everyone basically saying, like, so Age of Ultron was coming out, fantastic, it's going to be the best film ever, Avengers Assemble was incredible, this is going to be even better, wank, 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 and then the film came out, and people almost, like, I seem to remember people coming out of the cinema and telling me it was amazing, and then a couple of months later, whenever the next Marvel film came out, everyone was like, God, I hope it's better than Age of Ultron, that was shit, and I was just like, it was shit, what? I don't understand. <laughs> you loved it a minute ago. And it's, it's, I don't know what it was. I, I think a lot of people turned on it. And I don't uh, entirely know why. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really enjoyable. Great action, obviously. I mean, that kind of goes without saying in these films. A couple of times, you know, I definitely thought, well, it certainly felt less than uh, Avengers Assemble to me. And it felt mm. a bit too much like, oh, this is where we're going to do the cool slow motion shot where you're all in frame. Uh, in fact, let's do it twice. And I was a bit like, yeah, no, I get the idea. You don't need to do that again. I think the best moments were the ones where it felt a bit more natural. So like I loved early in the film when all of the Avengers are just having a party. Yeah. And, you know, there's all this just fun, like comic booky jokes. Let's all try and lift Thor's hammer. And, you know, everyone's kind of dumping on... Uh, war machine because he's not he's not an avenger and he's not on their level um (laughs) and that i mean that was all very funny very whedon in fact um very joss and 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 so i enjoyed that i thought ultron definitely one of the better villains in the series because you know he has a motivation that isn't to be evil um and while it's not a million miles away from to be evil it's a bit more understandable uh, we also have a bit of sort of sympathy from the what they call the Maximov twins, Quicksilver and uh, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Um, and so you know they gave you know again they give us kind of villains, but relatable villains um, who obviously we get to see kind of turn good, and they actually kill someone as well. Obviously, Quicksilver sacrificing himself at the end. I also like I've actually got a lot. To say. I actually really like this film now <laughs> that you've asked me. Um, <laughs> Hawkeye. I really liked seeing Hawkeye's family and us getting to getting to know his character a bit better because he really felt quite nothingy to me in the first Avengers film. Um, I was kind of. It was like a myself, reverse Whedon, wasn't it? A reverse yeah. Whedon of we're going to set this up like he's going to die, and yeah. you see his family, and don't worry, honey, I'm going to come back, and he actually does, which was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I agree. I agree with you. I, I really liked Hawkeye's story as well, and his his friendship with Black Widow, um, and those elements of it. Um, and yeah, James Spader is Ultron. James Spader is. I mean, uh, we're big fans of James Spader. He's he, in my mind, can do no wrong. Like I've. <laughs> you say that I, often, I, though. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that can do no wrong in my mind. You know, Jeff Goldblum, Matthew Broderick, and James Spader. All luminaries in their field. Um, but no, Matthew I... Broderick? <laughs> he's Ferris Matthew Bueller. Broderick. He's untouchable after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I see it. Fair enough. Um, side note, I've always thought if anyone played me in a film, it would be Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I've... I, I've got ba- yeah, I've got good good feelings about Ultron, and I like 
the way it fits into the 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 arc of the kind of Avengers story. I think my I don't have a beef with the Romanov Hulk romance. Mm. I think if I was if I if I had the time and effort to be able to read all of the Marvel comics and I had read them all, I'd probably be sitting here going like, Steve, I'm sorry, but you're a fucking idiot because the mere idea that those two could get together is, is preposterous. Because I'm not within the realm of the films, it certainly makes sense. Uh, I could see it. And, you know, it gives both characters a little bit more depth and a little bit more to go on. And it kind of explains why Hulk sort of has to leave at the end. What I didn't like was... So Thor goes off and has his little vision quest in the bath. Yeah, that's the um, weakest part of the film for me. Yeah, and it literally, like, you know, just comes in and Hemsworth just gives us exposition dump as quickly as he possibly can. Yeah, and I was just like, that's so. Oh, fuck off! No, I don't. I'd rather not. I'd rather you hadn't told me. Yeah, it was the stereotypical kind of. You just have to trust me. In fact, I got no time to tell you. Just come with me. And like, actually, in the time it takes us to get there, it's like. <laughs> 25 minutes you could tell me it in like 10 i'm sure yeah. you could but instead it's, it's as you said it's, it's very quick and that's certainly the weakest part of the film i think is kind of thor storyline yeah and what i could have done with is um so i mean I, even in the comparatively short period of time that i've watched these films i'd completely forgotten about all of the infinity stones uh as they had appeared i actually had to look it up on wikipedia uh you know and it's like all oh, right the tesseract was one and obviously that one in Guardians was one because they even called it an Infinity Stone, etc., etc. Loki's Scepter. Again, Thor just gives you this info dump. Right, we've seen this many so far, which means there's this many still out there, and somebody wants them, and he's, he's a big guy with a big glove. Um, and I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, there must have been a more subtle way you could have woven that into the plot. You know, yeah. if you're going to give us a reminder, it it could have come in a million different ways. Um, you even could have just done a preamble at the start of the film, with some ethereal voice talking about the power of the Infinity Stones and just show us clips from the previous films. Uh, you know, that would have done it. The way they delivered that was super clunky and I absolutely hated it. And it yeah. actually did nothing to refresh my memory because I still had to look it all up anyway. Yeah. So uh, a real... I mean, I get that time is short in these films. You know, they've got... the Mercifully, they don't make them three or four hours long. Uh, and I'm hugely grateful for that because I can't stand a long movie. <laughs> but, um, you know, so they've got to fit it within that 120, 130 minute runtime as, as tightly as possible. So I get that there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to cover, but, um, yeah, that, that bit really stuck out like a sore thumb to me, but everything else was pretty solid. I'll happily watch that again. Next up for me is the original Captain America. Okay. So quite high on your list, not on a lot of people's, I must say. No, it's it's one that's grown on me. So I remember seeing it at the cinema and thinking it was fairly solid and enjoying it. And then the more and more I think about it, I thought, actually, it's got a strong emotional pull between uh, Peggy Carter and, and Cap. Mm-hmm. It's uh, got a fairly decent villain, actually, in Red Skull. Yeah. And uh, played by Hugo Weaving. And it's got Tommy Lee Jones in it, which is always good. So The trifecta. <laughs> yeah, like a trifecta. <laughs> So I, for me, it's, it's solid to good, and it's it's also a period piece. Again, it, it, it's outside of the modern world. It hasn't got all the kind of glitz and glamour. Um, it's also fun seeing Cap become Cap. You know, he's doing his little kind of rounds. He's, he's in the kind of the old uniform and everything, doing uh, kind of USO shows and stuff. It's really quite yeah. fun. It's, it's, it's got a good it, sense of fun to it. I think his, with the possible exception of, like, Tony Stark, Iron Man, I think Captain America's 
origin story is either the most interesting or the best delivered. And certainly of the sort of the solo films, I place his uh, higher than most. Um, although personally, I'd still probably put Iron Man 1 uh, above Captain America. But thinking about it, you haven't said the original Thor yet, which surprises me that you thought that came above Captain America. Well, as I said, there's like three kind of regions of films for me, and we're kind of into this top third The top echelon, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so you could move them around and you can, you know, whatever you think is above one and the other, it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I've got Thor next, actually. Mm-hmm. I really like I really like the original Thor, and I am in a minority there. You'd very, and I know yeah, very I definitely are. <laughs> um, but I thought it was well made, well shot, had a great soundtrack. Um, I also, being a huge Babylon 5 fan, got a kick out of the fact that uh, Joe Straczynski is a part of this film. He's got a cameo in it. Um, he's the one who's trying to, he tries to pull the hammer out of the ground and goes, huh. And then oh, yeah. Hawkeye gets introduced as the shield set up around the, the, the hammer. Uh, and I think he also either wrote one of the first drafts or he's credited in the drafts as well. So I get a kick of it as well. Um, and I like his interaction. Is I like Thor as the fish out of water as he's discovering like drinks and food for the first time and all that. I quite like that. And you get to see Anthony Hopkins deliver fully as Anthony Hopkins. Unlike in the second one, whatever he's kind of dying and whatever. So Yeah, true. Um, um, so so for me it's actually quite good. Kenneth Branagh does a good job with it, makes it makes it look good and a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't like Thor. They don't like the Thor standalone films, but I like the first one much more than the second one. And and Ragnarok looks quite good as well, and I hope it's good, but yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think what you kind of are hitting on there is is that people need some sort of connection. And I think the problem with Thor The Dark World is, you know, there there is a lot of extra-dimensional shit that we don't necessarily care about right off the bat whereas in the original thor obviously he spends some deal of time stranded in you know on earth making his connections with people getting to know people um and it's a long time before he gets his hammer back um i think the more time you spend on asgard with all of that stuff the less connected you're going to feel to it because they don't feel human they feel you know they feel godly which is great but i can't connect to a god and I think that's what makes Thor a very difficult character for people to to get on board with. But I mean, I love I love Chris Hemsworth. I think he's brilliant. Very. I mean, a lot of them actually have really good comedy chops. Well, it ain't nothing. Again, I think he's better. Much like the Hulk, I think he's better when he's interacting with the other Avengers, and I think that's where he's best placed. Um, which actually surprised me. Yeah, you know, his standalone films pretty good. I prefer Cap. Top five. Top five includes two cat films, Guardians of the Galaxy, an Iron Man, and an Avengers. Before I go into them, what do you think I've got them ranked as? I think number one for you is going to be Guardians. Okay. I think Civil War, number two, Avengers Assemble, three, Iron Man, four, Winter Soldier, five. That's my guess. That's your guess. Okay, so so write that down. Think about it. Okay, we'll see how right you get. Okay. Uh, number five for me was Winter Soldier. Nice. Nice. Yeah, so you you were bang on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked it. I really liked it. I really liked the kind of a uh, uh, more grown up take on it. I liked Robert Redford as the villain. It was a bit kind of um, political. I'm quite a big mm-hmm. political junkie as well, so I quite liked that element of it. 
Um, I quite liked uh, the, the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Sam Jackson kind of having to go on the run. Yeah. So all, it's all those elements, plus, of course, Bucky coming back. And of course, I don't know the comics. We should say that, actually, that I actually yeah. don't read the comics. So I didn't know anything about this character or or anything like that. I just thought, I just saw Bucky get thrown off the side of a, a mountain. In, yeah, and thought in no more about it. Thought no more about it. But sure enough, he turns up with a big, like, Russian Soviet thing on his arm. So yeah, I really liked it. I really liked it. I thought it was really strong. A lot stronger than I thought it was going to be. Let me put it like mm. that. So obviously the Winter Soldier is into I think phase two of of the the sort of Marvel universe. You know what kind of seemed to happen at that point is, and and I was really glad about it was well instead of just saying okay so we've got uh, everyone together for the Avengers they're now going to go off and have their separate movies because God knows we can't afford to get them all together all the time, and you know we'll have the brief end of film cameos until we do another Avengers. Um, but instead, you know, it's like, well, no, obviously, you know, Romanov's going to be there. Sam Jackson's going to be there. You know, it's not he's not in an isolated universe where no one else is around. And we're giving him a good reason why he can't just call everybody because he's he's on the lam. Everything's gone crazy. You know, yeah, you know, I love obviously Hydra was his enemy, you know, in the first film. So it's kind of a Captain America thing. I mean, that was when I knew that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't going to get better because everybody <laughs> told me it would. So they were like, Winter Soldier happens, not going to tell you what, but something big happens. <laughs> and then the status quo changes in the show and it gets great. And then the status quo kind of changes in the show, but basically doesn't. No. And aside from a few cool moments in the second series, and I will say there was a few, it basically stayed complete shite. Uh, but yeah, you know, I love the notion that Hydra had actually been working in secret the whole time to bring down S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and that they were basically successful. Yeah, you know, really good interactions between Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And again, you know, he is he is a villain, but he's, but, you know, again, he's he's an old friend and it makes him interesting, not just somebody to be beat up on with no remorse, you know? <laughs> Yeah, um, which is something the films desperately need more of, and is is a more sort of common theme in the uh, in the top half of your list, I think. Definitely, and then for me next, now again, as I said, these all kind of slide around, but for me next is Civil War. Oh, okay, I'm surprised. So I really like Civil War. I, there's a of lot to, to like about it. Uh, it's obviously it's a cap. They they very successfully managed to make it almost an Avengers three without it not being about Cap and not being about uh, Bucky again. Yeah. Uh, there's only a couple of elements because I think White Wall to Wall is very good. I think there's only a couple of elements for me where it falls down and why it isn't higher. One of them again is the ridiculous love story notion. You know they they chuck this woman in. Apparently Cap's only met her like you know five minutes. Yeah. But apparently to believe that they're actually really in love. Apart from the fact that she's like, you know, her, his love's, whatever, daughter, nephew, Granddaughter, niece. Something oh, like that. Something like that. Ridiculous. Gross. Something creepy. It is, yeah, it is creepy. But there's a lot of good humour in it. There's a lot of great action sequences. And obviously you can kind of see the formation of the Avenger um, Infinity War films yeah. with the big battle and you've got Spidey in there and Iron Man and then Ant-Man going giant and everything. It's got a lot of humor to it as well as yeah. a lot of, um, a lot of action. But the, the thing that really stood out for me was the fact that there's actually not any real strong villain. And I mean that in a positive way. So you've got yeah. this villain who's kind of 
pulling the strings but at the end of the day it's, it's actually it's 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 just because cap and iron man have been kind of walking on eggshells for a long time this all had to kind of fall apart in a way yeah and he just has put everything in in motion to to let it happen uh which i really liked i really liked there wasn't like a traditional evil bad guy it was just someone kind of pulling the strings very very subtly and it all kind of just fell apart and uh i like that i like that a lot i, I thought it was strong yeah i mean for me um so i i think i, I said to you like i know what my top two are <laughs> and yeah you know for everything else it slides around but my top two you know i kind of can't choose between them um and and civil war is one and certainly it fulfills the role of like the i think it's the best of these sort of team up films mm-hmm. i think i mean i love that you know it, it's it's down to this kind of the central conflict being basically between tony stark and and uh, captain america the best thing about it is it does not even though it's a captain america film it does not paint one of them as simply being right they just have opinions both of those opinions are presented quite logically um and even though they're basically diametrically opposed you can kind of see both sides i'm like well, yeah definitely yeah well you stark's got a point and everyone else is, who's kind of agreeing with him is saying like well maybe we do need some oversight i mean who are we're not who are we to to say that we we get to do this stuff and you know and then cap kind of shoots back with well yeah sure but uh, you know that's their agenda they have an agenda <laughs> Our agenda is to save lives. What's wrong with that? And, um, you know, also moreover, and this is obviously this kind of came into Age of Ultron and it's it's been brought up a couple of times, but really hitting home now with, you know, superhero movies always come with masses of collateral damage and so much so that it's become a pop culture joke about, oh, yes, you saved the day. You killed hundreds of people. Yeah. (laughs) Possibly more than you saved, but you saved the day. But, you know, so instead actually putting a face on it, you know, for a woman coming to Tony Stark and saying, like, oh, yeah, you saved the day, but you killed my son. Or at least through your inaction, you failed to save him. And again, it gives Tony Stark more relatability. You know, he's not just the arrogant, quipping asshole. He's he's also someone with some depth and he's trying to do the right thing. And he's trying to do it without hurting anyone. And yeah, you know, it's it's I, I just think it's a brilliantly complex character building film with some just fantastic action scenes in spite of myself i could feel the hairs on the back of my neck standing up when you know basically the two lines of of superheroes faced off against each other i love that they brought peter parker into it but i absolutely echo everything you said about civil wars there's a lot of positives in it for me and i really enjoyed it and uh before we move on were you team cap or team iron man like I said, I found it really hard to choose. I think ultimately I probably come down on, on the side of Team Iron Man. All right, um, I was Team Cap. Oh, you see? Classic brothers fighting brothers now, you know? Absolutely. So, top three. Uh, third third one for me was Guardians of the Galaxy. Love Guardians of the Galaxy. Love how it's so I different. I genuinely thought that was going to be your first. I so I... thought that was going to be your top. Well, there you go. I'm capable of surprising you even in old age, Chris color me surprised Lot, lots of love in the film lots of love I, but the, the thing i love most about it and why it's so high for me was that it was uh so different to the other films so we had already talked about edgar wright getting kicked off ant-man mm-hmm. um and this was finally marvel kind of buying into someone's artistic vision and saying uh here are these these guys they're misfits uh we're gonna have a, a 
1970s soundtrack. They're going to be, you know, a bunch of a-holes, as Peter Serenifowitz says. Mm-hmm. And they do a really good job with it, and they make you feel... And it, for me, it had a really strong emotional heart to it, which was these are these four or five people who don't belong anywhere, and they have no one to love them, and no one loves them except each other. And so that kind of gives me the warm fuzzies, you know, seeing them kind of all come together and uh, and like each other. Which is why for me the second one is a bit of a disappointment as well, because like then you got Rocket Raccoon being selfish again, and that kind of kicks off that story and stuff. Yeah. Whereas this one kind of it made a lot more sense to me. I mean, the villain's still weak. That's kind of a running theme in these Marvel films. The mm. the, the villain is still a bit weak, but overall, it was it was very enjoyable and sets up uh, their introduction into the. Uh, the Avengers verse very well. Well, Civil War is is one of my top two, and Guardians is the other. While Civil War represents basically, as as in my opinion, you know, when it comes to a team up crossover big Marvel movie, it's that is the way to do it. That is nigh on perfection to me. Um, likewise, for me, Guardians is basically the way to do a standalone Marvel film. And yes, obviously, as you, you know, you say it, it, it is part of the MCU. We've got another Infinity Stone introduced and, uh, you know, we've got the Collector who has been, um, you know, uh, seen in other parts as well. Um, so it's not completely divorced from the universe, but it is a film that you could happily sit and watch and, and how you need no prior knowledge to be able to enjoy it. Yeah, you know, it's just, like you say, it's just a bit different. It's a bit out there. It is an effect, an origin story, but it doesn't feel like one. Because we're not having, like, a lengthy biopic of one person's life. Where, you know, we're just, how does the team get together? And and that is that is a lot more fun and a lot more interesting. Uh, the humour is really strong in it. Plus, you're talking about you're talking about uh, charismatic leads, and this is Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt doesn't, and, and doesn't get himself. that much more charismatic announcing himself to the world we had seen him for years in parks and recreation but not everybody watches that sitcom yeah and this and jurassic world was like the big hello world to chris pratt as a a leading man and it's very exciting to think that you're going to have him and paul rudd and robert downey jr and all these other great leads uh coming together for the for the next avengers film how you all fit them in i'm not entirely sure but yeah i mean there there will be a point and i'm going to be interested to see when it kind of gets to Okay, we've reached maximum entropy here. Like we can't keep, <laughs> we can't keep putting more people into these films. Uh, you know, we're just gonna have to fragment a bit more. But yeah, you know, like you say, I mean, the what what elevates this film for me uh, above pretty much any of the others is is like you say, it's the heart of the film. You know, I, I've I've watched and enjoyed all of the Marvel films. Great action. There's no denying that. But there's very few of them where I felt like a real connection to the characters and what's going on. So the ones that are higher on my list, like I suppose the original Captain America, yeah, probably the Winter Soldier as well. In fact, almost all of the Cap storylines and, uh, you know, maybe Iron Man 3 are ones where I actually felt something for the characters. You know, I, I couldn't have really given a shit what happened at any point in any of the Thor films. You know, a lot a lot of, a lot of the films, even in Iron Man 1 or 2, didn't particularly care if, if people lived or died. But right at the start, the film Guardians just it hits you in the feels. We see Peter's mother dying and giving him the mixtape. And so, you know, right off the bat, I'm sitting there. I got a lump in my throat. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be okay. 
this film, it's, it's already got me. I'm already in. I'm already connected. And he really delivers on that uh, emotional center. And then yeah. Groot, this character who, who has no lines, he only says his name, sacrificing himself at the end to save everyone's life. And you're just like, you got, you got me again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great, and that's that, that. That's why I think it is one of the top films of of all of them. It's why for me it's it's better than the second one, mm-hmm. uh, in all in all respect. I know some people disagree with that, but for me it's it's definitely up there because of that emotional core. Now, yeah. top two, I went two Avengers, one Iron Man. So Iron Man is my favorite of of these films, yeah. uh, and remains so to this day for for a number of reasons. First of all, because it was the first one. And it was the first one that they did uh, properly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an origin story without it feeling like it was battering you over the head. Um, it was great to see, it was actually great to sit there in the cinema and see the evolution of Iron Man. Um, it was a great way to base it around this the, the armed salesman who doesn't care about anyone. He's just out to make a buck and he's, he's a drunk, he's a womanizer, all this other stuff. All the way up to the very end when you think he's going to do the usual superhero thing. And hide his secret identity, and he's like, "Nah, fuck it, I am Iron Man." <laughs> yeah. Question, and then the whole the whole press conference goes crazy, and then it kicks into uh, Black Sabbath's um, Iron Man. Yeah. And it is a fantastic film, well directed by John Favreau. I actually quite like the villain in it as well because it was his uh, his mate, um, his kind of co-founder of Stark Technologies that helped with his dad. Yeah. Um, although it is not as strong as some other villains. Robert Downey Jr.'s first take in the role and he's he really sells it, you know. He's so charming. <laughs> he's such an arsehole, but you can't quite help but love him. Especially when he escapes from like that Afghani prison camp in yeah. the the modified Iron Man Mark One uh before coming back to America. It's it's a terrific film, start to finish. It's got great action sequences. And it is my my standout favourite. Uh, and Avengers is below that as well. And I know you're saying about team up films. Avengers for me again because it was the first one again is a bit fresher in my mind joss whedon's first take in it as well so again you get his uh sparkling dialogue lots of great one-liners great seeing these guys all come together but also the first legitimately great use of hulk in a film mm, yeah joss kind true. of figured it out you know it, it's not just comedy effect but how to use them in an action sequence and even those sequences in new york when they're, fight- when they're fighting the chitari and hulk is uh you know running up a a building or whatever and smack jumping off that and smashing across uh onto the the backs of these aliens and stuff just just knows how to use them so well um so for those two you know those two are up there guardians is up there civil war is up there but i think iron man is my my ultimate favorite iron man was a real sort of make or break for this this experiment i suppose um and i think i read recently about um john favreau had sort of he really went to the mat about getting Robert Downey Jr. They didn't want him. They were just like, oh, this this guy, his fucking ego, his drug problems, is whatever else, like, get someone else. Um, and he really was like, no, it has to be him. Like, he is he is Tony Stark. He is Iron Man. You're going to thank me. Um, and, you know, boy, was he proven right, because he has really oh, yeah. been the center of this this universe. Um, you know, he is... And and at every point, I've just been like, oh god, you know, when's he going to ask for too much money, or when's you know there going to be some conflict or some creative difference that means the whole thing's going to come falling apart because him and you know Chris Hemsworth won't appear on screen together or something stupid like that, you know. Um, but 
as far as I'm aware, there hasn't been anything major like that. And it's, you know, it's been a decision that has proved fruitful for all involved. And yeah, you know, again, definitely the first one, the first one is great because by its very nature, it has to be able to stand alone <laughs> because nothing, nothing had really come before it. And aside from a little teaser about starting up the Avengers initiative, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't weigh too heavily on what comes after it. So yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Iron Man definitely has to be up there for me. It doesn't quite top Guardians because, as I say, Guardians just has that more emotional core. It's got the soundtrack. Um, both of them have great soundtracks. Uh, you know, I'll give you. Um, yeah, and similarly, Avengers Assemble is 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 a fantastic film and has been one of the more enjoyable viewing experiences, particularly of the earlier phases of the Marvel <laughs> universe, because I'd watch them all alone at home with a view to i just have to get through these so i can get to the good ones um whereas avengers assemble was the first one where i was like uh let's get people over you know i had everyone round. we you know we had some nachos people had beer and we watched it with you know the full surround sound on and a big tv and and really bought into it um and it's again it's a fantastic action movie certainly can't fault it on that we're we're done we're at the end of the list so far, because it's a day ending in Y, and therefore there is another Marvel film coming out soon. Yeah. <laughs> so there's Thor Ragnarok, there's Black Panther, there's Captain Marvel. There's they've just screened just as we're recording this at uh, the Disney the uh, D is it D twenty three it's called yeah. the Disney convention. They just screened the first footage from Avengers uh, Infinity War. So there, there's more coming, and there'll be more coming for forever, I imagine, yeah. and. You know, for me, Chris, the Marvel Cinematic Universe largely is a positive thing mm. because, as we said, we're living in the golden age of, of geekdom and, and nerddom. And here we have 16 films so far, more surrounding it, more being copycatted in DC and whatever, um, more to come. And they're telling this one long story and characters are flitting between one film and the other and we're all getting used to it and we're all sitting there in the the cinema after the credits are rolled to see what the post credit scene is going to be and all this other stuff. And that's unthinkable yeah. from years ago. And, you know, Iron Man was the great success, as you said. You know, Iron Man was the one that had to succeed for this to all kick off because Marvel, otherwise, who knows what would have happened if it had been a financial disaster. Yeah. The strength of the MCU for me is the heroes. The the Iron Man's, Captain America's, the Guardians, of course, Spider-Man, now that he's, he's in the, the, the great... All the heroes, for for the most part, are 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 memorable. They're enjoyable. Even the ones like Ant Man and Doctor Strange, you know, the the, the actors they put in those roles are, are excellent, and they are so much stronger than the villains. With probably the only exception being Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Yeah, there's a reason they keep going back to that well. <laughs> exactly. It's like let's not kill off Loki because we might need him again. Uh, although, as I said, Michael Keaton as the Vulture was very good. The, the strength of all those heroes and, and able to keep you coming back to these films, I think, is what makes them so enjoyable. Above the action and, and above everything else. You know, if there's another Iron Man coming out, we'd all go and see it. If there's another Cap coming out, we're all going to go see it. Because of the strength of those actors and the, and the strength of those characters. Mm -hmm. And it is great to, just like on television, like we said in our, in our mini-episode, Chris, that we now are uh, approaching long-form storytelling. That we are able to dip into these stories and you know that because you have other films around it you don't have to ram everything down the audience's throat mm -hmm. you can uh, 
you have your little story here and then set up the seeds for the next one and then put one character into that story and then one character into this next story and so on and so forth and that's been the thing for me that really carries it through is that you can go into this and feel part of a larger thing um but what i would say kind of in summation chris is that Stan Lee uh, has a quote attributed to him, which I'm not entirely sure is true, but I, I think it's perfect, so I'm going to relate it to you. And that is that what fans want is the illusion of change. And that applies not just to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but to a lot of franchises. We talked about it a bit before. Today, they just announced a female Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about Star Trek Discovery and how they're going to change things there, including the way Klingons look, for yeah. example. And... In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if there's something you can throw at it, it's that for all the change, nothing really changes, right? The heroes are the same. They don't really go through any major life-changing circumstances. It sometimes sets them up to do that, and then they don't. They don't change at all. Um, Nobody really dies or gets hurt, except for (laughs) Rhodey. Except for the poor black guy, because, of course, none of the white guys could die, could they? Uh, Rudy's actually fine of course he's he's going through physical therapy and he's going to be fine so therefore nothing actually happened by the way there was no consequences from civil war whatsoever except for the temporary breakup of Captain and Iron Man so I guess you're going to throw something at those these films they're all well made they're all kind of come up to a certain level I think even like Thor Dark World and Iron Man 2 and for me, Doctor Strange, they're kind of like two and a half out of five kind of films, three, three stars out of five films. They're fine, you know, there's nothing bad with them. But also just that sometimes they, they sometimes pull back from from being truly unique and, and sometimes that's to the detriment. For me, anyway. And they have too many origin stories. I'm done with origin stories, Chris. I want no more origin stories. That's what kind of surprised me about Doctor Strange, really, because... You know, when I saw them just saying, okay, let's pull, uh, you know, what's, what's what's he called with the wings? The guy in, um, the guy that uh, was in Civil War and he was in the Avengers. Like he came in at the end of Age of Ultron. Falcon. 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 That was it. I knew it was some sort of bird. So, uh, you know, we've, we've introduced Falcon in uh, what was he uh winter soldier was his first film yeah 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 so he got kind of pulled into that likewise black panther and spider-man got pulled into civil war and that's it they're they're there now so we don't need an origin story um because you've already introduced the characters and you've told me enough about them in fact that basically was black panther's origin story in civil war so that's dealt with and so i kind of thought that they were moving past that because at this point, at this, shall we say, phase in the Marvel plan, it would feel like your films are going to feel a bit sluggish and slow if you're going back to, here's a kid from the Bronx and 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 he's down on his luck. Let's see, let's see what superpower he gets because we're like, no, no, I I want to see the Hulk smashing into a building. I want to see you know fifteen superheroes fighting one gigantic galactic scale villain. You know, I I don't care about this anymore. We've gone too far to go back. <laughs> and so I kind of thought they made that change. And then Doctor Strange kind of just goes right back to the original formula. Um, and, you know, much as we might criticize it, I guess all these films make an insane amount of money. So it's not going to make any particular difference to how they're doing them. And the other thing I want to touch on just before we finish then is, uh, so you've, you've alluded to the music a couple of times. 
in in some of the different films. And for me, music is one of the worst things about the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I almost always come away from it not being able to remember any of the tunes, any of the sort of core themes. It's really bland. Super bland. Really bland. Um, and so obviously you've said Michael Giacchino uh, does Spider-Man: Homecoming. Did he do any of the others? I think he might have done Doctor Strange. Because, because uh, I mean, he's basically one of my favorite um, composers, and it's it's because he writes these very very strong themes for characters mm. that you hear that theme and you know straight away. Um, like it was one of one of the best things about Lost. I always thought was was the music, and it was his score. As because mm. I could tell you right now, you could name any character from Lost, and I'll hear their theme in my head. And the way he could mix those and 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 pull them all together was always brilliant. And I think that's that's one thing that could really kick these films just right over the top for me. Um, because every time I hear enterprising young men in the new Star Trek films, I I wet myself with with excitement. It's just it's such an explosion um, because it's such a powerful theme. Uh, and and it really just amplifies what's happening on the screen for me. Whereas the music in a lot of these films always just kind of fades into the background. Uh, it's sort of miscellaneously epic if that's a thing yeah i think i think outside of alan silvestri's avengers theme yeah. which kind of crops up uh not just in the avengers but kind of around the cinematic universe yeah, yeah most of them are quite bland which is why guardian stands out for its kind of wall-to-wall 70s tracks and, and volume 2 also has a, a whole bunch of memorable tracks as well so yeah so we've we've done the unthinkable we have we have rated and discussed all of the marvel films and i am basically up to date it's my full intention to bring myself 100% up to date. So at the very least, by the time Thor Ragnarok comes out, I can see it when it comes out and actually enjoy the hype and not have everything spoiled for me. Steve, why don't you tell me what we're doing next time? Uh, well, next time, Chris, we are going to be podding around my birthday. And mm-hmm. just like you uh, made us watch Truman Show because it was one of your favorite films, I'm going to do the same thing. We're going to, we're going to watch one of my favorite films. Uh, but I'm not going to make it easy for you. <laughs> so you're going to watch uh, The Third Man, which is a black and white film starring Orson Welles. Okay. Uh, although it's starring Orson Welles, it's actually uh, noted as one of the being, one of, being one of the greatest British films of all time. Mm-hmm. So it's a very much a change up for us. We're going, you know, more than 20 years back into the past. This will be the oldest film we've actually talked about. I don't, I'm not entirely sure it's on streaming platforms. You might have to rent it. I'll find a way. Um, you'll find a way. Worst comes to worst, I'll, I'll post you the disc. But <laughs> it is well worth your time. And it is one of the greatest uh, films of all time. It's one of my favourite films of all time. And hopefully you enjoy it. Well, I, I, I look forward to it. I'm very excited uh, to, to try something a little bit different. And uh, yeah, for f- anything for your birthday as well, obviously. So... Um, yeah, brilliant. Okay, so I will I will get hold of that within the next week. Uh, so I guess that that leaves us with nothing but plugs. Uh, so as as per usual, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at OBrotherPod. You can um, please subscribe to us uh, using whichever podcast app you use. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, um, pretty much most of them all the good ones uh and if you're enjoying what you're hearing go ahead and give us a review uh and let us know let us know what you're thinking join in the conversation uh 
And uh, one more thing for me, actually, on a personal note, I didn't want to put this at the start because uh, it bummed everyone out before we talked about action movies. So I thought I'd just put it on the uh, end briefly. But um, a former colleague uh, and sort of friend of ours, his um, his wife has unfortunately got a, uh, a sort of a tumor that is currently inoperable, uh, but she can have treatment if she uh, goes to america the nhs is going to pay for that treatment she just needs to be able to afford to fly herself and her family over there and live there for uh the sort of six months that the treatment's going to take that will save her life and so they've got a GoFundMe uh out there and i'd appreciate it if anyone listening to this could just have a look and maybe consider uh giving uh just a little bit towards it because any anything could help um and it's it's basically paying directly to be able to save someone's life so it's it's pretty rewarding um and so uh if uh steve is amenable i will get him to put that on our uh podcast thing so you can access it through the feed sure we can put the link on the site description excellent on the description on the podcast app of your choice fantastic okay so uh without further ado then steve i've been chris he's been steve and we'll see you next time talking about the third man <laughs>